0: oh goodness y'all pray for me i'm tired tonight see if i can get the get the anointing to flow we'll get get somewhere okay um let's start out with uh with prayer heavenly father i just bow before you um called me to teach and I I just want to do my best but I know that my best is nothing without your spirit uh, speaking and father if your spirit would speak through the things that I say and minister to your sons and daughters then that is the point so lord I pray that you would just cover me uh, with your precious blood, wash and cleanse me. Pray that Christ Jesus and His heart and His word and His Spirit would come through the Word and the Spirit together. I pray that it is uh, your truth, and uh, Father, help me to stay uh, right where I need to be in communicating uh, what I feel like you've led me to communicate. So Lord, I just give you this time and ask you to open our ears, open our hearts draw us closer to you in this critical day that we live in in jesus name we pray amen so i want to start out talking about uh, our purpose colossians one nineteen and 20 says this for it pleased the father that in him meaning jesus should all fullness dwell and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him meaning christ jesus i say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven so the point i would like to make there is that the work of the cross has given the father his pleasure which is to get everything back. We're talking about everything, heaven and earth. So he's trying to make a a clear point here that uh, God owns this planet and everything else for that matter. And it's his, and he wants it back. And so he hasn't quartered up any sections of anything uh, to to God uh, the Father the work of the son has given him his pleasure which is i'm taking it all back okay second corinthians 5 and 17 kind of says a similar thing we're going to read through verse 21 just because it's such an awesome section of scripture so i just want to read it all You know, sometimes when you get into reading the verse and you see the verse next to it, and you're like, well, i got to read that. And then you read the next one, and you're like, i got to read that one, too. It's like all of it's too good. I can't not read it. So in verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, what God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you, by us we pray you, in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of god in him and so again this emphasis is on this reconciliation issue of what he wants of his pleasure of what he's made of what he claims and of what is going to be his ultimately as this age of grace would come to an end and those who have chosen him have him those who have not uh get the bad side so to speak i've I've heard it taught and i actually kind of believe this somebody wanted to explain it to me differently that hell has god's presence as well it's just without jesus right god is a consuming fire and after that grace period is is completed, that, I mean, God is everywhere, right? That's what it teaches. And so it's not like hell is some place where God is not. He's there. You're just facing him full on with no covering. Um, and so some people choose not to have that covering, and they get separated from uh, that reconciliatory uh sacrifice that made it possible for us to come and be one with him and know him and experience his pleasure and so forth and so on um if you've never heard that before about hell i didn't mean to open a can of worms but that's just what i have heard it just makes sense to me i'm like okay if somebody can teach me differently i'd be glad to to be taught so uh i say that with with humility i hope you hear that um so god claims every inch of the planet and so so what he's doing is he's drawing it to himself in other words he's taking it back jesus brings the kingdom he leaves the kingdom here he gives the keys of the kingdom he gives the spirit that he did the work in he says go to work this is mine we know there's some uh differences of opinion and eschatology and how which means just in times how things all pan out and what happens here and there and and all those things like that but we're talking about ultimately we see the new jerusalem settling here over israel and and this planet is is god's right so that's what he's up to in this period of time that we would call uh the the creation fall redemption we're in the redemption phase it's a grace period it's going to come to an end our job alongside the father is to be in reconciling all things unto him and so um, what we have working against us today is is uh, this modern day secularization of american culture uh, in which s- secularization is just removing all things religious out of the public square and there's a lot of complicated reasons as to why it's happened the way that it's happened but it has happened regardless the the nation of our nation was a unique nation it was started in a peculiar way it was based off of foundational truths that are found in scripture our government was formed and shaped from those Uh, eternal principles found in scripture and so it was originally in its founding covenanted to the Lord so that makes our nation different than uh, pretty much any other nation the only thing nation similar would be uh, the nation of Israel obviously and they have some different things going on there so we're unique in that Uh, and so what has happened in our history though is this secularization because of a lot of complicated factors in our day and time the cultural elites have uh, determined that religion is a dangerous thing and needs to be removed out of the public square and kept in a special place uh, separate from what happens in day-to-day life you know what happens in science and academics in in the factual world and there's reasons for this but one of the modern day uh, metaphors that are utilized to explain this is a two-story approach if you're thinking of it in terms of a house that there's a two-story approach and certain things are put on one floor of the house and there's other things that are put on the second uh, floor and those things are not to meet and so the uh, the powers that be so to speak In our nation the cultural elites uh make sure that everybody plays uh appropriately you keep that up on that floor we do this on this floor um so for instance some christians would think that the christian life is only about spiritual things you know you you pray and you read your bible and you help those in need and it's kind of simplified and it's kind of separate you know it's kind of you get to do that kind of on your own it's like your private your private thing to do many people uh, uh, do it that way uh and and so you can you can read your bible and you can pray and you can help those in need but but you're not going to mess with science or academics or government or things that would be considered in the public sector or the public square and so they separate out those two things some christians do that readily which we would believe is wrong but there's some also some good reasons for it some christians go even a step further and say that they they start seeing science and politics and and the intellectual Areas of life as part of a so called secular realm that should be kept separate from the sacred parts of life. They almost think that if you bring those sacred things into that secular sphere, then it's going to get tainted or you're going to get messed up. And so there's this separation. See, it's just, it's bad theology, is what it is. But there's a lot of Christians, American Christians, now we have to use that term pretty loosely these days. Um, but there's a lot of people who would claim to be christian that do that i'm saying all these things because these are the things that we've got to overcome in our day to make the impact to make the difference so uh, historically in the secular west so that we are of in the west okay we are westerners um, and we are a nation that basically has become secular as far as the cultural elites would say right in the secular west some of the things that have worked against us they've looked at modern history meaning like post-reformation western european history so that would be 1517s when the uh, martin luther sparked the the protestant reformation and they'll look at that time period from 1517 up till today and they will look at the things that transpired in the name of religion as soon as that happened uh, that protest sparked revolution and bloodshed all across europe and so they would say that Uh, yeah religion just needs to be removed from the public sphere because look what it's always done people die because of it people get so worked up that they lose their minds and they kill other people who don't agree with them and uh and that's true historically Uh, we would know why because there's an enemy who's real good at what he does and he gets on both sides and goes to work So it's a little more complicated than we would like it to be. However, you could even go before that. Think about uh, the Crusades and Christians against Muslims and the Secular West would say, look there again, look at the religions. All they do is kill each other. All they do is uh, bring a gun or a knife to the argument and lots of people die. And so their argument today is, just look at it just look at history just take a good look at history why would we want your religious opinion uh, to be in the middle of common normal life when all it's done in history has done all of these horrible things does that make sense so there's a lot of reasons why this secular and sacred compartmentalization of life has occurred for us today the one that we deal with today where there is a line between the sacred and the secular if that makes sense secular just means non-religious but especially in america it is christianity that gets pinned and removed and it is christianity that is the one that has been selected by the cultural elites to make sure you keep that in another category in America it's okay it's not that big a deal if it's uh, some other religion right even some other religions are like oh that's cool you're into that spirituality right there that's that's cool but Christianity is not cool at all Christianity is the thing that has been set aside and removed and put in that top floor and they do not want anything to do with it so over time as this has kind of worked its way out history would say that when religion walks into the public square everyone's temperature rises and the guns and the knives come out or at least that's what those cultural elites would like to say because that gives them good reason to separate so they can do what they want to do so let me let me uh, say it this way here's the two-story view in the upper story this is considered the private sphere this is where values that would uh, be individual choices are are up there in that upper floor this is what would be considered non-rational in other words, if you want to believe that, Jesus, that, that God created the world 6,000 years ago, that's not rational. But if you want to believe that, you keep that upstairs. Uh, that's fine if you want to believe that. You just keep it there. You don't talk about that in normal life. This, this lower story is the public square or the public sphere. It's where scientific knowledge is utilized. It's where empirical study gives us facts, And those things are even Stephen for everybody and therefore everybody with common knowledge understands that's why we keep religion up here and that's why we separate the two and that's why it's got to stay that way in fact what happens and what has happened if you study out some of the things that are going around today there's no way to keep your values out of the public square right values are what dictate policies and actions that's what makes us do what we do that's why we do what we do the religion of the day in America in the public square is called scientism did y'all know this it is a religion what science says because of its empirical study and what those that study it say about that evidence that they've studied is what goes and it is a religion it's a religion that lets man be man and do what he would like to do it lets him follow his godless desires wherever he wants them to go christianity is seen as the as the problem because christianity has standards that says no to the heart of evil men and women who want to follow their carnal desires and christianity says no you are a sinner there is sin in your heart and that has to be checked if that's not checked then we're in serious trouble and so the fatal flaw of our modern way of thinking is that they just believe man is basically good the bible teaches something very different that man is a sinner man has sin in his heart that has to be remedied before anything good can take place okay so we've talked about i've mentioned these things before um, but just to reiterate where we stand today so here's some of the things that i wanted to talk about and i've talked about a few of these things before but just reiterating these things is something that we've got to do because at this point it is very much a bullying intimidation type of a tactic that has been utilized thus far there was a study that was uh, done this is something really slick that the uh, evolutionists did just not not very long ago I can't remember exactly when the study what does but it was within the last 20 years I believe 25 years but they took uh, they took a bunch of uh, scientists who were named Steve's and they just randomly picked any scientist named Steve okay and they they had them fill out uh, this document and sign to the fact that evolution is fact here's here's why Uh, the way that it is yada 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 the whole deal was to say and they had thousands of Steve's okay thousands of scientists named Steve to sign this document and so the whole thing was a ploy just to say look here's this is how many this is how many uh, scientists just who happened to be named Steve who believe in this imagine if we talked to all of them what they would say see so but those tactics really did uh work because you're saying look this is really a slam dunk of an issue here it's not even a topic of debate debate any longer it was a ploy like that and uh one of the funny things about that steve study is that if you go back to who names their kid what and why uh Steve is a name straight out of the Bible it's Stephen so all these atheistic scientists who signed their names to this document were their parents were influenced from scripture to name them that very name it's like okay you guys are really on top of it um you think you got the slam dunk here god's going to have his say before it's over with but I, the point i wanted to make is that they're using bullying and intimidating tactics to continue to keep these two floors separate and uh, that's one of the things that I really do appreciate about President Trump whether he's you know wholeheartedly in this thing or not he's a bully himself just on the other side and so it's like finally somebody's saying something and it's sort of empowering uh, the rest of us to say yeah why are we why, why are we intimidated into being quiet and keeping our views on a separate floor and and this is in its high time that we turn the tables on all of this and begin to enter into the public s- square and speak the truth because what they do at this point the bullying tactics and other things like that when you do have a professor who wants to speak out or you've got a scientist who wants to speak out or you've got a someone in the academic realm that wants to speak out they will blackball you they will ruin their careers they will remove them they aren't playing fair Uh, this is a serious deal however it still comes down to the fact that there's got to be a point where we're ready to pay a price because to not pay that price is a terrifying thought at this point as we're about to lose the framework of the government that came out of this book because they will remove the whole thing if if that price is not paid. So I wanted to make the point that it's come time that we have to use uh, a Hebrew word, we gotta We got to really dig down deep and we've got to live out, regardless of what price has to be paid, we've got to pay it. And we've got to think a little more strategically about how we're raising our children and what we're raising our children to do. Because if we don't send young people who've been raised in the truth, who have seen the truth work at home, not hypocrisy, not I do this over here at church and then I get you here and you find out really what, what I'm like. Not, not that stuff. I'm talking about they see integrity from the church house to the house and everywhere in between, and their whole life they're told, you were put on this planet for a purpose. It's an incredible purpose. You've got a gift. That gift is going to be honed. That talent and those skills are going to be worked up into excellence. You're going to have your whole heart given to the King of kings and Lord of lords, and you're going to go as a missionary into the public square, and you're going to do it better than everybody else. And you're going to make a difference because you're not going to be afraid because you're living for something greater than you and that's just what has to happen folks and that's a long-term long range thing that has to happen but we've got to raise our children better that's right listen i fully believe in the ephesians 2 10 life that is a predestined preordained life that means that god knows what he put into that little precious person that has come into the world and it's the parent's job to steward that gift because it is the lord's gift and he wants it back and that's what the parables tell us the parable of the talents is not a joke he wants his gifts back and that's our job to steward we are stewards of a planet stewardship is a principle of life it involves every sector of life it is god's not our own my life is god's and so i steward this life as it was his because it is his that means i care for it as best i know how And we've got to do a better job at stewarding everything. We are called to steward this planet. The sons and daughters of God are the stewards of this planet. We've got to do a better job of that. If we're not in the public square to steward the earth, we're not stewarding the earth. Now again, this nation is different than other nations, but this nation was born to be able to do that. The ones that framed it up the ones that came over on a boat the ones that began to make life that worked and civilization and culture that was godly they came over here to take this book with the holy spirit showing them the principles in it and live it and they did that and that's why we have a nation that has functioned as well as it has for as long as it has and so that's what stewardship is they're taking the resources of the planet and their own intelligence as image bearers and they're doing their job in relationship with God that's the beauty of this it's still in play we still have that that we get to do for the Lord but we've got to switch our thinking about when we think he's going to return because that really does uh, for instance I'm just telling you guys I'm raising my children to do something special I'm, I'm raising my kids telling them they have a gift that is from the Lord. I'm raising my children to see not a perfect man, but a man who is honestly following the Lord and who loves his, their mom and loves them and who is uh, sincerely, genuinely working towards following the Spirit of the Lord for such a time as this, being what I'm called to be in my time frame and and over the long haul as we raise kids that see that and understand that and get connected to the lord they're going to do this they're going to do their part but that's one of the things that the ephesians 2 10 life and how we're raising our kids see we're, we're going to be sending missionaries into science missionaries into academics missionaries into politics missionaries into the arts missionaries into the entertainment industry missionaries into the public's uh, sphere who have morals that everyone appreciates everybody appreciates somebody that shows up on time and does what they said they're going to do and does good work and if they do bad work make it right who 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 uh, charges a fair price and who's just excellent across the board i don't care who you are humans Really appreciate that and so when you have uh, Christian men and women who understand I'm a missionary in this work that is that I'm called to do and it's lined up with what I really want to do anyway like we need to be raising our kids to eventually get to the point where they're doing what they love to do and they're doing it with excellence and they're doing it as a missionary like a, a, a Tim Tebow is a is a great example now he's not the greatest football player that ever lived as far as the greatest football players on the planet but he was an incredible college football player and he was a really good professional football player but it wasn't about football for him he is very open and honest about the fact that he loves jesus and that's what he does doesn't matter where he is he's going to give you his all he's going to work as hard as he knows how he's going to be as good at whatever he's doing as he possibly can be and he's also unapologetically going to tell you about the lord and he's going to live it out and see so think about this guys if we had been able to pull off as the body of christ in america about 10 million of those guys we would not be in the shape we're in right now you get people in places who who make an impact who make a difference and it doesn't matter it doesn't have to be a big shot i know we're all in america we like the bigger better every i'm not talking about they got to be a superstar i'm just saying if if all of us were the real thing and were excellent and we were on mission in our sphere where god has called us to be this nation would be different today but we we got duped by the enemy in in some different kind of ways and obviously we're just we're humans and we struggle so but it's time we got to turn that around that's that's one thing here's another thing in america becoming a christian is really really easy and it costs you nothing y'all notice that and the truth is jesus did pay the price Uh, thank goodness for that but in America, it is just really, really easy to become a Christian. It doesn't cost you anything. And we know there's no price you can pay to get true salvation. I'm, I'm not going there. I'm just making the statement that it's really easy to become and to be called a Christian. And uh, so Jesus did it all. We put our faith in him, and kapow, done. No effort on my part. We are now Christians. And there is a version of that that is true. However, um, there is this cost in the Bible as well. There is a cost to the real thing. And in Scripture, you don't find anybody becoming a Christian in the way that we become Christian in fact Christians or the first uh, reference to it was in the book of Acts and it came as a slur from non-Christians calling people who were Christ followers Jesus followers this term and it was probably in its day you know a derogatory statement um, early on Christians were so different that they were considered to be a part of a cult and a sect they had a follower they were following this one man's teachings that's what a a modern-day cult would be so at the time at that at that level of things you're talking about a very different type of person a very distinct individual has come on the scene these people who were followers of Jesus So they weren't christian like we call ourselves christian today they were jesus followers right they were disciples of christ and it was very different it was considered a nazarene sect followers of jesus they were very unique so again it's so easy to say i'm a christian and so many of us do and we've been over this before but are we really followers of Jesus? Are we really. Because Jesus' followers are countercultural in many ways. And that separation factor for us in America right now is very difficult to see. And it's got to be more than church attendance. I mean, I wish it was that easy, don't you? Don't you wish it was easy just easy enough just to have all your doctrines stacked up really really nicely and you check them off i believe then you've memorized them here i'll recite all of my perfect doctrines and i go to church don't you wish that's all you had to do i wish all you had to do is read the bible you'd memorize the whole thing what if that did it it doesn't do it there, there's no guarantees in any of these things that we do and see that's one of the problems that we're running into so we there's there's certain aspects though of our life that have be- got to begin to be counter cultural James 2 is what I was uh, shared last time and that talks about this faith a certain kind of faith I thought I had uh, yeah there we go James two fourteen says what doth it profit my brethren though a man say he hath faith And have not works and he ends with the question can faith save him see because that's a good question because as a a follower of Jesus I mean truly following Jesus will cost you something in other words that faith can save you the one that's gonna cost you something the one that is an action that's gonna cost see what that means is that I'm ready to whatever I've got to do I mean I'm ready to pay that price and honestly when you weigh it all out there ain't no cost you had not spent anything that's not worthless and so so at the end of the day when we're talking about this or that I mean we got to keep that in mind but as far as what we have here today what we get uh, whether people are going to work with us and give us favor or whatever, you can can have a lot of cost come in with your following of Jesus. And we've got to kick in that following part, that cost part. Believing in Jesus will cost you nothing. Calling yourself a Christian will cost you nothing. Following the life and example of Jesus will cost you. It will cost you. And see, so there's a big difference between those two issues right there and and history history tells us and shows us that the ones it costs the most are the ones that made the most difference they're the ones that changed things right the, it's the people around the marriage supper of the lamb who have certain crowns that they get to throw at the feet of jesus because of their works upon the earth the ones that paid the most made make the most difference here and that's just one of those things that that's the way that it works out and we know some people for some people it's it costs more than others and that's one of those who knows why type of issues but but that's also a variable in there so jesus comes and he brings his kingdom and he shows us his ways and his ways are revolutionary they are countercultural i mean think about the sermon on the mount and then think about those people think about the ones who were sitting there listening to the sermon on the mount we know the the uh 12 disciples were there listening they were listening to that they were listening to this man tell you how to live these things are what we do This is my thing. Follow this way. Think about those people absorbing that message and what it cost them. Because we already know, history has shown us what it cost them. It it cost Jesus something. It cost the Father something. It cost everybody within the earshot of Jesus at that Sermon on the Mount who actually followed him, it cost them. But we already know, history already tells us, they made an incredible difference. They made an amazing impact in following Jesus. So if we want to make a difference today, we're going to have to take on those cultural elites, the bullies of the day, the Goliaths. We're going to have to be Davids, and it's going to, co- it's going to cost us. And we've got to be ready to pay that price. And we've got to be ready and full of the courage and the boldness of the Spirit of the Lord that when it's our time we have prepared ourselves to do it we got to rediscover what it means to sacrifice to follow jesus to pay a price again these are things we got to rediscover these aren't new things these are old things so here's another thing this is another emphasis this is another one of my I'm I'm gonna get up on my soapbox here I've been on a couple of my soapbox issues I hope they're actually accurate and God's going yes soapbox but these are things that are near and dear to me personally to erase the line between the secular and the sacred the greatest issue involved in that and I'm gonna hopefully be able to flesh this out to where it makes sense but if you want to erase that line, you have got to practice the presence of Jesus in your life. Because what does that mean? When we're born again, it's his time. There is no secular anything for the believer. It is a 24/7 walk with God. Now that is countercultural because we have some we have some powerful Things that are occurring in our world today that the enemy has working for him and we can't just fall in line with those things we've got to live we got to do some things very different if we want to connect if we want to be true sons and daughters to the king all our time is God's and I've been thinking and have thought about these types of things quite a bit and i'm trying not to get too weird on you guys i'm trying to give you some real solid things that i hope make sense and i have mentioned these things before but i'm just going to do it again david is one of our examples david the giant slayer david the man after god's own heart david some of the scriptures and psalms some of the things that he shares with us give us a clue into the type of life that he had on a daily basis that made him different and some of those you can find i'm going to turn to uh psalm 16 and uh point out a couple things and then just make some comments on it and i've got to hurry up here i'm running out of time time psalm 16 is a psalm of david psalm 16 8 says this i have set the lord always before me because he's at my right hand i shall not be moved now what is he saying there he's saying i have set the lord before me always in other words he's with me and i practice the fact that he's with me now we know that when david had to face a giant in his day it's a metaphor for us it was a real one for him it was both a real metaphor and a real giant but it was the thing that was big and scary and intimidating was going to force him to do whatever he wanted him to do and david said no that's not the game that i'm playing you know why i can step up to you giant because i'm not alone and i'm standing on the words of a god who's real i stand on covenant land you're standing on my land this was Uh, We know where that battle occurred and, and, and we know that this was David's tribe's land. And so he knew covenantally, you giant are standing on my land that my God has given me. And so you have no shot here, none. Why? Because he had practiced the reality and the presence of God. God, he was not alone. It was him and God against that giant. And when you have practiced that, So often that it's worked into the deeper sections of your brain and your identity, you're able to do things when the time comes that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. And that's what we've got to begin to do. Practice the presence of the Lord. I can turn to Psalm 46 and look at Psalm 46 as well. And by the way, that's all through David's life and all through the Psalms, but I'm just picking out a couple here and I'm going to try to pick up the pace and race to the finish line that first verse psalm 46 god is our refuge and strength a very present help uh, in trouble god is our refuge and strength a very present help see he's here he's with us and then he goes on to say therefore i'm not afraid let the mountains fall let all these crazy things take place the lord is with me he is my refuge therefore let it all fall apart it's not going to affect me see because the presence of the lord when that becomes real to you it really doesn't matter none of it matters and that is a power that we've got to rediscover that's a power that david experienced and i'm not saying he lived like that 24 hours a day seven days a week we know that's not uh possible and i don't think we can expect that type of thing but we can we can live there quite a bit i believe to the degree that we live there enough that when we don't feel it we still know it and we can do it so it's not about i'm not saying you got to tap into feelings at all times i'm just saying it's got to be real it's got to be your reality your 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 personality it's got to be intertwined with the fact that you're gods and your personality is your personal reality and if you've got a mixed up identity of being some orphan who god doesn't care about and he's not really going to back you up in any kind of way then that's going to dictate what you do and how you do it and how you stand or not take a stand and so we got to enter we got to work these things into our own personal identity i am a son of god Born for such a time as this, standing on a covenant to magnify the King of kings and Lord of lords, to give him what is his, which is everything. And I get to proclaim it from the mountaintops and to the degree and the way that a giant or a cultural elite would go, Oh, what do you got on you? I'm a little scared. I'm telling you folks, it's going to happen they will back down because the beings controlling them are terrified of Jesus Christ. Terrified. And so when we get in him and we find our spot, that Ephesians 2.10 spot, it's his spot. He made it. He preordained it. When we finally get there, that's called integrity, with the truth, from the root to the fruit, Something's going to come out of you that the New Testament calls utterance. It's a voice within your voice. It is loud. It makes the enemy quake. I mean, it terrifies him. He will just back up and vacate because he's terrified of it. But he's got to have people who actually believe this stuff. It's just got to take place. And so you've got to live a countercultural life by practicing his presence now i could go on in verse in chapter 46 here and tell you some other points about that verse where it's talking about the lord is with him and the reality of that but let me go ahead and and go ahead and make a couple statements here here are some of the things i'm very concerned about in our culture today with the spirit of the age you've got to watch the spirit of the age we know that the enemy is the prince of the power of the air we know he's got that working for him okay The spirit of the age is going to be something that is so difficult. It's like a current. It's like jumping in a river and trying to swim up it. Okay? So the spirit of the age, whatever the spirit of the age is, it's a very powerful thing. In other words, you ain't got a shot unless you are filled with the spirit of God to to, to work against this thing. And that's why we got to find the spirit of God on a deeper level okay it's got to be deeper than what we've got to sacrifice more we've got to pay a greater cost than we've been paying that's why i'm talking about things like fasting there's certain things where you're just not going to get any the reward that you'd like you're not going to be taking part of what the lord would want to give you if you don't pay some price if you don't see not eating is a price to pay it really is and I, listen, I'm not trying to teach legalism. I'm just telling you, there's some secret keys that this book will tell you about. They actually are real. They will open you up to some things you're not in touch with currently. It's the difference between reading this, oh yeah, it's black and white. Yeah, I like that verse. That's my favorite verse. To something that sets you on fire. Because you've just done the thing that makes it, turns it into fire for you. And we just have stopped doing it. We've just decided that we like our little life here and all of our little pleasures and all of our little addictions and all these things that we just got to have. And then none of them are worth it. And so there's some things that we've got to change. We've got to do these things differently. And the spirit of the age, I'm going to tell you, is busyness. For the average Westerner, it is busyness. We are we, are, we practice distraction. Our brains, because of the way that we live on a daily basis and all the things in the here and the there and the that and the this and the look at that over there and what about this? The attention deficit disorder that as Americans we suffer from is this busyness. And the prince of the power of the air is out there. He's the Pied Piper. He's the great Pied Piper. And he's singing his song and he's got all the Christians. All the Jesus, well, I'm just going to say Christians, not the Jesus followers. We've got to follow Jesus a little bit better, guys, because Jesus isn't listening to a Pied Piper. And those who follow him are not either. Now, here's the insidiousness of what I believe is happening. And this is where I hope you won't think I'm getting weird here, but I'm just telling you. Practicing the presence of Jesus is being present to Jesus and the people that you were in front of, doing what you're doing have y'all ever been in a room with people but you're not really there you're elsewhere you're four moves ahead at what you got to do later in the day when you're really stressed about that and so you're all i mean i'm i'm just telling you what i do maybe you guys are completely different than me but i can be home with with my wife and my kids and and not be there be elsewhere Trying to solve all the problems of the world trying to figure out how i'm going to do this and that and i'm going to make that and i'm going to make this happen i'm going to do that and just trying to figure it out and so i'm not present i'm not present my body is there but i am not there and we as a culture are practicing distraction in other words our brain it's just like training training your muscles or training for a marathon or it's something you do so consistently that it just comes to you and we practice distraction we're so busy that you could might have your time with the lord in the morning you might connect with him but if you spend your whole day and your mind is going you are practicing distraction you cannot focus on anything you can't focus and so some of the things that i have been Doing with my life is the breath is huge for me, the breath. Genesis 2, 7, God takes earth, forms it into man, and breathes his breath into the nose of that being, and and, then it becomes a living soul, the breath of God. It's, It's the same as the spirit. The ruach is the Hebrew word. The pneuma is the Greek New Testament word. Spirit and breath are the same thing. And so one of the things that I do to practice presence is I'll just breathe slowly. I'll just get out of this cadence of go, 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 America, go. We got to go, got to get it done, got to go. Faster, faster. Oh, I got to beat that light. Oh, because I got to get there. And we're going for it, man. Going for it. And so when you sit down with the Lord, you've got to cut that off. You have got to let all of it fall and so here's the bad part guys some of you can't you're in the red so long that when you sit down you just stay in the red or when you do sit down you just go to sleep believe me i i have preached long enough to understand that <laughs> or i'm just terribly boring it's just the fact that we're go 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 and we don't know how to focus and we're so distracted we're so worn out that we might know the bible you might be able to quote it all but what's it doing for you when you can't focus on anything when you're not present to anyone at any time see so we practice it we're distracted it's literally worked into how we see and do everything And so i'll sit down and i'll practice five ten minutes of just settle it down and then i'll just breathe in as deep as i can and i'll breathe out when i'm breathing in i'm thinking this is a breath from my father it's the breath of god it's a breath of purpose i'm breathing in a breath of purpose he's given me breath for a reason and i just think of it i just think about it and what do i do I let that breath out, and what's my brain going to do? It's going to take off. Did you leave that on? Did you, wait? you, you got to do that? There it goes. But what do I do? I wait on the next breath, because I'm going to have to breathe. I'm going to have to breathe again. Let that next breath come in. Oh, but this is the breath of God. I come back to the breath. The breath of God, I have the breath of God. And see here, I'm being still, and I'm knowing God, and I'm practicing it. But that's not enough, guys. After that, you know what you gotta do? Some of the things that I'm doing throughout the day, I, I have hourly goals so that I'm present. In other words, I've got a class schedule and so it really works out nicely for me. It might be different for you, but if I'm in geography class, I am in geography. This is nothing but geography and students. I don't think about anything else. I don't open up anything else. I don't it's just total focus. This is what I'm doing, and I stick with it for that whole time. And then I got another hour. I go do some other subject, and it's nothing but that subject. And I stick with it. And I go through the whole day. Now, listen, I'm trying to be very intentional in the fact that I've got to be present to my father and to those people that he's given me to in this time period. Because, see, it's all preordained it's all predestined and he has a gift that's in me that he is intending on me to give to these people that he wants them to receive but if i'm not present to him and present to the fact that i have a gift to give them i'm not going to give it you see how we can get so far out of whack so far out of time and space and might know the bible but the pied piper has just completely rewired the way that we think and live and then church can just be just another level of busyness. Got all these things to do, all this stuff to do. Got, got to be a part of this, got to be a part of that, got to do all this, got to go here and there and got to. Folks, I'm telling you, we are falling for a deception of the enemy. And if we don't learn how to live in a countercultural manner, somehow, some way, we're just never going to get there if you don't learn how to count a cost of some kind and i'm talking about any kind of cost i'm talking about costs that really matter again i would suggest fasting sacrifice a meal or two that's sacrifice that's cost what you're doing is you're saying i believe that you lord and what you want to do in my life is i just obey you and i follow i don't even know what i'm doing but i just am obedient to you and i ask you to do some things things like that we've got to check in on another level and here I've my race to the finish line was not much of a race but and I'm not even done but are you guys hearing what I'm saying I'm saying that we are missing it and it's gonna take more than just Bible reading and church attendance It's literally going to take a countercultural approach to how you wake up in the day and how you go to bed and everything you do in between to get unwired from the great Pied Piper who is running the show and got us running after everything that we think we've got to have. And you just got to cut some of it off. Just cut it off and simplify life and get back to a focus upon Jesus and your purpose on this planet and walking in his ways i'm telling you that payoff when we get there you'll be glad that you did that that is what i am fighting for in my own life i'm not preaching at you guys i'm telling you these are my own personal frustrations but i am i am committed to figuring out how to follow jesus in this time frame and how to get out of the power of the prince of the air and the things he's doing to our culture. And it's just slow down and connect with him. I think if there's anything we can do, if you can cut off anything, you get down to the bare essentials and let him fill you with his purpose for you and, and be filled with that identity, that value, and give that away. That's what we got to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Alicia, you can come on, y'all come on up. Thank you for giving us the way. Lord Jesus, thank you that you did finish it. And it is easy to become a Christian. But Father, to follow you, it's going to cost us in this life. And I pray that your spirit of wisdom would begin to show us what what we need to pay. What is the cost of following? The cost of discipleship, as, as your son Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it god that we would rediscover the cost and find out it's not it's it's not a cost you have everything to give us lord i pray we believe you i pray that our faith be quickened and that our works would be attached to a living faith i pray father that you would draw this church and its members into that because that's what we need lord in order to glorify your name in our time so lord god we just We cry out to you to come spirit of god would you just begin to speak to us on another level show us how to get out of what we're stuck in and lord we we praise you for that beforehand because you're worthy of it and we love you and it's in jesus name we pray